Ben, what is the biggest fuck-up you ever did? <laughs> um, <laughs> oh, man. I relive so many of them. I think I've told you this before. Like, I have, I have the innate ability to, like, all of a sudden relive on any number of, of my uh, screw-ups. And then, like, I have to... I get so deep the, in them. You have I, to, like, audio stimulate yourself yeah, to get I, out of them? I have to say weird things like, buh. Or, hey, uh-huh. hey, and, like, to get myself out of it. So, my biggest screw-up. I don't know. I flunked out of college for a semester. That was not great. Yeah. I. You know what? I don't know anything about that because <laughs> it was like, my mom was like, Ben is in Iowa City. And I was like, okay. Mm-hmm. I don't think he probably wants to talk about why he's in Iowa City right now. So And then just never yeah. got around to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I mean, I think... I so what happened was I got bad grades for a while and my university said maybe maybe this isn't for you and <laughs> or maybe you should take a break and so I said we think it would be great if you were not here next semester yeah it was sort of like a take it wasn't like a you're never coming back kind of thing it was like a mm-hmm. you should take a semester off and rethink and you know if you can show that you're like committed again you know you can come yeah. back so I went to the University of Iowa for a semester, uh, which was fun, and um, I did better. I refocused, and I got good enough grades that I went back to my regular university in Wa- at Washington University in St. Louis, and ended up graduating from there. Although damn diploma. Although I still so my diploma is in entirely in Latin, and like everyone <laughs> else's I know that went there is not. <laughs> And I maintain to this day that it is a fake diploma that they gave me just to appease Just to give you something so you'd walk off the stage. mm -hmm. And they knew that I was dumb enough that, like, I wouldn't know the Latin. That's, like, it's probably Latin for this is a fake diploma. Um, (laughs) Right. Or you were just like, oh, man, I don't even know what language that is. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So, um... It's a constant source of anxiety that boils in the back of my brain every once in a while, but I'm pretty sure I have a, a diploma from that university. I think everything worked out, but yeah, I spent a semester. Yeah, it wasn't great. It wasn't great. Uh, you know, we, like my, there's there's funds being put towards that education that uh, yeah, not not utilized fully. Can you, other than getting bad grades, can you identify a particular mistake or behavior that led to the bad grades? So I didn't ask for help soon enough. Yeah. It was that issue. And it was because I did well in high school and I never had to ask for help in high school. I never learned that skill right. of, of knowing when I was in too deep. So yeah. when I started doing poorly in college, I didn't know how to identify it and I didn't know how to extract extract myself from the situation. And so right. then... Uh, it just spiraled and I, you know, I, I spiraled down to the bottom. Um, so yeah, that's how, that's what happened. And I'm all right. I ended up being okay. And yeah, that's good. That's all right though. Uh, so yeah, I guess that's the big one. Although at this point in my life, I don't really, 
I don't think about it too much as a, I, I don't dwell on it. It, it, yeah, if, it certainly doesn't affect your day to day. If you make me think about it for enough, I will think about <laughs> it and then you'll hear me make a weird sound. But uh, for the most part, I, uh, I don't think about it. Is there a moment that you get caught up in? Mm. where you have to make the sound or is it just like oh my god i'm failing out of college bop, bop, bop. <laughs> oh no it's like reliving a scenario like that's what those yeah. scenarios it's like i'm reliving a conversation or reliving like that's what i thought so i yeah i was just wondering if there was like a particular moment of that that you loop i remember <laughs> so i was in a stats class a statistics class that i one day simply stopped going to uh-huh. Because um, I got so embarrassed that I couldn't come back. And I feel like that was like, it, that wasn't the only thing that was the problem. I didn't just screw up one class, but yeah. um, I showed up to that class with new jeans on. And, you know, just whatever. Like, I, I can't <laughs> remember where I was buying my jeans from at that point, but it was probably like Gap or something. And. I went to hand my assignment in for the day up at the front and I heard a lot of <laughs> chuckles. And then I realized that I still had the like sticker on the leg that was like with the size, with the size on it. Uh-huh. And I didn't realize that until that point, but as I walked up I heard it and then I kind of, it all clicked in that moment <laughs> and I handed in my assignment and got so embarrassed and just walked out the door and I never, never went back, back to that class. <laughs> uh, yes. I love never went back stories. Um, <laughs> I knew a guy in college. Uh, he was a, a friend of one of my good friends. He didn't go to school that we did, but um, he went to Western. But he went to mm -hmm. Western because the first college that he was admitted to and planned to matriculate at, he arrived on campus. I believe it was in, uh, I believe it was in like Virginia. Um, and realized that he, a white guy, uh, had matriculated at a historically black college. And so he got in his car and drove home. <laughs> and then he went to Western Michigan. <laughs> like, just a never came back type of story. Yep. <laughs> Good grief. Oh, I'm, I don't think my orientation is going to be the same as the rest of these folks. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Oh, man, I might just have, I might like imagine that scenario in a dream at some point and have to make a weird noise to get out of it, I think. Yeah. That I've heard that. Um, I might uh, relive that on, on his behalf. Uh, how about you? Any big, any big screw ups in your life you'd like to uh, air, air for the nation? Um, I think that I probably have made my fair share of large mistakes. Um, I. I'm at a point where most of them I don't regret anymore. You know, I think sure. that both of us are at, at an age where um, most of the mortifying things that, that we did uh, have, you know, lost a lot of their emotional mm -hmm. gravitas. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I, uh, I made some bad decisions regarding, you know, like who I was going to be kissing and things like that. Mm -hmm. Um yeah, you know, I I, yeah, I get it. I get it. At this point, they are less mistakes and more just the fabric of you. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, you know, I, I can't think of a, of a time where it was like, well, this is like everything is different now because of what I have done. Um, you know, I've made yeah. plenty of, of careless mistakes over the years. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I, I can't think of a of a particular uh, mistake that I've made. God, I sound like Donald Trump. No, I can't can't come up with one. Um, <laughs> well, uh, you know, I think uh, I uh, hashtag hashtag blessed born upper middle class. Plenty of right. Plenty of uh, sort of uh, safety net working on, safety networking uh-huh. underneath me for mistakes that were being made. So uh, I would I will acknowledge that as um, a contributing factor to how. Most of the mistakes I think we can, like you and I can think of, probably uh, did not end up changing the course of our lives dramatically. Right. I messed up some cars. Remember Mm -hmm. when I hit the tree, the little tree in your neighbor's uh, Mm -hmm. (laughs) front yard when I was taking you home? That didn't do any damage to the the car, but it did knock over that little tree. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Probably cars are the, you know... Careless mistakes with cars have been the most expensive things that I probably have have done wrong. But you know, never anything where I wound up, you know, in debtor's prison. Um, sure. Well, so folks may be wondering uh, why it is that um, I uh, brought up a, a mistake, and in fact, it was a mistake that I went with that because I told you that we weren't going to talk about it on this this episode. But then I just went ahead and shouted it out because I'd been thinking about it for quite a while (laughs) yeah um so ben you know but maybe some people don't know that um we had a lot of recorded episodes uh i don't think it's fair to say they're in the can because i hadn't edited them yet but we had our audio for a lot of episodes that i just hadn't gotten around to editing um and i uh deleted all of my audio from the podcast forever so that's all gone Uh and i don't think that the show would be as effective with just your audio can you imagine though maybe that's like some special content that we will create some sort of uh special listener unlock where you just get to hear the weird Ben's half of the conversation episodes, or we could like uh, riff tracks or MST3K it and just like shout uh-huh. things at you. Uh huh. Yeah, you could go back and re-edit whatever you want, right? In the gaps, just to make me sound. You could make me sound crazy or very prescient. You know, you could just sure. constantly be predicting what I'm about to say. Uh huh. Um, uh huh. <laughs> yeah. You know, we uh, hey, mistakes are made, man. Things happen. They do. Um, I, I happen them. (laughs) I make the mistakes. Um, (sighs) uh, yeah, we're going to figure out what, what we're going to do. I, I, um, you know, we, we still got this show and, uh, when I was in the, you know, the long period of not getting around to editing it, um, because I, my, my on task behavior for the days was just ending. Um, I, I told people all the time that, I still recorded the podcast every week or almost every week because even if I never edited it, I just enjoy talking to you every week. I agree. I agree. I would be here. I would be here without the thousands of listeners we have, you know? Right. Me too. I definitely would still be doing this show if we did not have a thousand listeners. Mm Mm-hmm. If. God forbid. In that hypothetical world. 
but yeah so you know it wasn't all a loss we had fun um yeah you'll never hear it <laughs> yeah it's uh it's a very like you know 21st century capitalist type of of loss you know mm-hmm. all of my productivity is gone uh, we could also I, I don't have could, anything to show for my hobby anymore we could also refer to that we could just like make a bunch of in jokes that only we know about to that time right period. oh man you remember back when we were doing season four episode 30 uh-huh or even like just a sign like do you remember the time that we had the the we had the creator of Adventure Time, Pendleton Ward on, and it was that episode that we we lost the audio for. We could just talk about all but the you got really so cool... excited about it uh-huh. that you couldn't even concentrate and you flunked out of college. Uh huh. Yep. That was. We could talk about all the things that happened in those <laughs> in those episodes, and no one will know. No uh, one would ever know. No one can ever prove us wrong. Well. I think that we will somehow take a look back at some of those episodes uh, where my audio has disappeared. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's a lot of season season four, uh, second second part of season four, and what we've done so far of season five. We're about halfway through season five now, mm. uh, and we might as well move into the two episodes that we we watched um, for this particular episode of Podventure Time. By the way, this is Podventure Time. It's our show. Uh, it's a podcast. We talk about Adventure Time which is a cartoon and we watch a couple episodes of it every week and then we we kind of, you know, run down the uh what's going on and 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 what we think of it. So uh Finn and Jake are are here again. Season 5 episode 27 is called Jake Suit. Jake Suit. I watched this episode with my 9-year-old son. He found it hilarious. I There are a lot of 9-year-old funny jokes in here. Uh-huh. I liked it as well. Um the premise of this episode is a bet between Jake and Finn. Um, we kind of jump into the content, uh, as with most Adventure Time episodes, mid-action. And Jake is a suit. Uh, Finn is wearing Jake as armor. Because Jake's... Yeah, because like of Jake's, mech. Yeah, because of Jake's stretchy powers, apparently this is something they've done a lot in the past where, uh, yeah, Finn can wear him as a mech and then have uh and control jake i think jake at some point says yeah when you get inside my body like that um you kind of push my brain out right i i'm no longer in control of my body and and finn is in control so finn can do whatever he would like utilizing uh taking him he basically puts it's like jake's the mach 5 right like he can put he's like putting on the iron man armor essentially yeah he yeah finn more or less becomes invulnerable yeah uh or mark five i can't remember i don't know enough about marvel to know the names of the iron man suits but i think it's like mark five or mach five mach five's a razor um anyway fuck it we're going to five blades yeah (laughs) the um so uh but but the thing is is that jake is not made of a newfound iron uh element right jake is made of flesh so yeah, although, he may be magic, but he still gets sore. So although he is being worn as armor, he is not really armor. In, well, he's armor in the sense that it doesn't. He protects Finn's body, but but Jake is still Jake is still flesh and blood and gets hurt. So Finn is taking some liberties uh, with Jake's body that Jake kind of um, has some uh, opinions about or Jake Jake. Takes a bit of offense that Finn is so cavalier while wearing Jake, 
and Jake, and so we have a bunch of a bunch of. Uh, we get to see Finn doing a bunch of just tricks and things. And he asked BMO to like beat on Jake, beat on the body and things like that. And it's pretty good. Um, yeah. It's like Finn's chance to be like the ultimate tough guy. Yeah. Uh, he can jump and do anything that he wants and he's not going to get hurt. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I, I think the, the phrase that, that came up for me watching this and then, you know, it, it happens again. We learn about it, I suppose, is taking advantage of, of your friends yeah. and their kindness and what they are uh, willing to, to give to you. And Finn is undoubtedly taking advantage of Jake because he is using Jake as a suit without any regard for yeah. how Jake feels about it. Yeah, he is. he's using Jake in the most literal sense of the word, I think. that Right, like, just yeah. as a physical object. As a puppet. Um, so Jake brings this up later. They, after their little training session that they do, Jake comes away from it pretty sore, and he just says, "Hey, man, like you could take it easy." And and Finn's Finn kind of retorts, "Like, what are you talking about? Like, getting bruised is no problem at all. All you have to do is mentally." He essentially says, "All you have to do is mentally will yourself to ignore the pain, and right. it's fine." Or mentally orient yourself he he characterizes as getting hickeys bruises or just getting hickeys from the universe exactly um so all you have to do is put yourself in the right frame of mind and you can't be affected by pain which is a pretty uh if if finn can if finn can achieve that like he is achieving some pretty high levels of i don't know meditative states essentially if he can if he can completely ignore pain well, he certainly just has a, a hero's outlook on the world, right? It's, you know, right. these bruises just come with living, especially when you live hard like a hero right. like Finn. And so Finn kind of retorts with this position and Jake calls BS on it, says, you, that's all well and good for you to say. But if I were, if the, if the tables were turned and Jake were wearing Finn as a suit, he would see, Finn would see that, um, the the realities of things and that it is yeah, not as hard fun. it hurts it's not as fun as you make it out to be so they go so finn goes sure let's test out the theory um which was a surprise to me that that was possible but uh they sort of reverse this they do it they reverse the situation and jake shrinks down to the point where he can go inside of finn and uses stretchy powers to uh i don't even know what the word is sort of fill up jake yeah. fill, fill up fill up finn's nervous system with his own it's like a alien symbiote in a in a sci-fi movie or something like i can just see like a a glowing white worm like go into somebody's spine and then like yeah. get its tendrils all out into their body and then they go and uh you know massacre their fellow crewmates yeah so finn reca- regains finn retains his consciousness in this scenario yeah jake his is- brain is still there Jake is simply controlling the, not the brainstem, but just the like actual muscle fibers, essentially of of Finn's body. Um, right. Weekly. Yeah, not well. He hasn't done it before. This is the first time, clearly, that they've tried this. And Jake's not as adept at manipulating Finn's body as the as the reverse being true. Jake, uh, Finn manipulating Jake's body. Well, also Finn can't be worn as Jake can. <laughs> Jake right. is having to, you know, Jake. Man, Jake is a very powerful uh, being. 
because right. one that can simply hop in your mouth and take over your body is is very powerful. But mm-hmm. yeah, not as effective as just uh, turning your friend into a into a mech. Right. Um, Jake is unable to really affect anything of import with Finn for a while. Like he tries to, he's trying to basically do the like stop punching yourself with Jake right. with Finn. Rather, uh, it's gonna be really my whole problem with like. Uh, saying Finn when I mean Jake is oh, going yeah. to be really <laughs> problematic in this episode when because they're essentially the same being for a while. Yeah, we've got Finn, Jake, and Jake Finn. Uh-huh. Um, yeah, so anyway, the Jake's wearing Finn. Jake can't really control Finn all that well. Um, sort of, he kind of, he, he reminded me of, uh, he can make Finn move in the way that like, Kermit the Frog moves when you see full body Kermit the Frog. Yeah. And he kind of like flops around and kind of like wiggles around and, and, and walks around and stuff. Um, that's kind right. of the body motion that Finn achieves while Jake is controlling him. But Jake quickly realizes he can't hurt Finn. He can't quite control it enough to hurt him physically by like inflicting, self-inflicting pain. But right. then, and we should say that that Jake's goal of of inflicting pain on Finn, I, I think that we we didn't quite be explicit that this is a bet between them, and Jake it's is a trying bet. to get Finn to admit that it sucks to be somebody's mech, and so right. that's why he's trying to inflict this pain on Finn, so that Finn will finally say, "That's it, I give up. This is terrible, Jake. You win." But because right. the the pain infliction, he doesn't have enough physical control to really. Uh, hurt Finn's body, and so he has to get creative in how he is going to make Finn miserable. Right. He realizes that there's different forms of pain. So he starts working on mental torture. And uh, the first is boredom. He tries to bore Finn to to uh into submission by making <laughs> by forcing Finn's body to read what is likely the most boring book that anyone could ever uh encounter um it's called something like what my dreams were like written by and the name of the yeah. guy is like the world's most boring guy or something like that yeah it's it's dream journal of a boring man volume yeah. 12 <laughs> right uh we all the classic we all know that hearing someone else's dream is one of the most boring things you can listen to uh because you have no connection to the story and the story doesn't make sense because and the story doesn't make sense dream. right so it's just never going to work so he makes Finn read this but that backfires uh Finn Finn at first is resistant and doesn't isn't enjoying it but it backfires because then Jake um Jake falls asleep himself he sort of like puts himself to sleep and it and then when he wakes up two hours later Finn's still reading the book he's kind of enjoying yeah. it uh so that plan fails kind of a briar um, patch yeah then he uh he tries a few other things is is the next thing getting that they get a call from Princess the Fire Princess the Flame Princess? Uh, no, I think I think before that they uh, <laughs> Jake makes meatloaf, Finn's right. favorite food. This one right. is clever and cruel. Yeah, he makes Finn's favorite food. He he blindfolds Finn so Finn doesn't know what's happening, and then when the blindfold is removed, uh, Jake has made Finn's favorite food, which is meatloaf, and Finn assumes like, oh, okay, fine, you've like made this really thing that I like, but you've probably changed it in some way that makes yeah, it terrible. Yeah, what'd you put in it? Yeah, what'd you put in it? And Jake says, nothing, it's great. And so he starts eating it, he starts cutting it, and then doesn't allow Finn to eat the food. Because Jake is inside of Finn, Jake <laughs> simply reaches himself out of Finn's mouth, a la um, aliens, 
right. uh, with the little mouth that comes out of the bigger mouth. And Jake cons- Jake consumes the entire meatloaf while Finn is forced to watch and not be able to enjoy his favorite food. Yeah, and that bums Finn out, but it doesn't it doesn't get to Finn in the way Jake wants. It doesn't make it certainly doesn't make Finn uh, concede the bet. Right, um, right, yeah. He's like, oh man, that's a good one, kind of. You yeah, know, like, that sucks. Yeah. You really got me, but I'm not ready to to tell you that being someone else's mech is is not the not the best. Thing. Right. The rest of the episode becomes an escalation uh, of right. Finn of Jake trying to convince Finn of this. So I believe the next thing they do is they get a phone call. Is the is it kind of interrupts the bet a little bit? Yeah, the special occasion phone. The right? special occasion phone, which is like a, a Fisher Price phone that they have in their place, um, and it's a it's a call from Flame Princess, um, and they don't pick up the phone. They just go to her house to see what the, what's going on. This is where Finn starts to get a little. This Jake starts to hit on a on a a raw nerve. Yeah, this is you know Finn's romantic slash platonic relationship with flame princess sort of un just unclear where that light lives right now um but certainly that someone that finn cares about and someone he doesn't want to be embarrassed in front of yeah you can finn can take a lot of physical abuse right and it's really not gonna phase him but Jake figures out that, and, you know, he could probably do just about anything he wanted inside of the treehouse. All right. Uh, You know, Finn would be like, oh, yeah, man, you got me. I couldn't eat my meatloaf. But once you introduce a third party and it's someone uh, whose esteem Finn uh, cares about, um, we're we're in a dangerous situation. And and Jake does not, uh, Jake really goes for it. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, this was uh, the part my nine-year-old liked the most. Um, <laughs> Jake uh, forces Finn to go to Flame Princess's house. And we learn that Flame Princess uh, was calling because she wanted Finn to come over and meet her family. You know, one of those classic uh, high-stakes emotional uh, relationship moments. Uh, and Finn recognizes it as such and starts sweating, sweating bullets about what uh, and he pleads with Jake and says please man like whatever you're about to do just don't do it and Jake gives him an option and says yeah sure no problem all you have to do is admit that uh, this stinks that being someone else's suit is hard and Finn's ego kicks back in and yeah. uh, and he says no I'm not I won't yield essentially so Jake says all right well now this is on you <laughs> and walks on in and in front of Flame Princess's extended family, uh, the ones that are the less, less evil, evil ones. Yes, the less evil ones, um, which is probably good because the really evil ones would have probably just killed them. Jake makes Finn strip down to his underwear and then stuff the tablecloth into his underwear to make it bulge like a diaper. And then he makes uh, Finn sort of dance and recite the I'm a Buff Baby song that we saw uh-huh. back from, I think, Boom Boom Mountain episode. Yeah, it's, uh, it's one of Finn's most embarrassing secrets. Yes, uh, it's Finn dancing like a baby, singing about being a baby, and how he can punch your bum. Um, it is entirely embarrassing. I think it's one of those ones that Finn, when he thinks about it, he has to make a weird noise to like forget yeah. to get himself out of it. Um, and it is horrific. It's, 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 uh, it's horrifying for everybody involved. It embarrasses everybody at the table. And then 
Jake walks out the door. I mean, he makes Finn walk out the door. Flame Princess is understandably uh, furious and upset. Uh, mm-hmm. And it then and que- and comes out to question Finn, like, what the hell was that? But quickly realizes that Jake is inside and kind of is like, ah, cool. This bet is awesome. I get it. Like, she kind yeah. of becomes like, oh, all right. Yeah, a bet's a bet. Like, yeah, hope- she gets it. Good luck, Finn. <laughs> Uh, I hope you hope you guys have fun. So that's a that's a supportive partner who will yeah. enable you to you know take your bets with your best friend to ridiculous, uh, ridiculous places. If you like to do dumb stuff, I cannot recommend more highly finding a partner who also likes to do dumb stuff because or at least appreciates you doing dumb stuff. Right. Uh, because it leads to a lot of happiness when you can just do dumb stuff and go like, isn't this cool? And they either say yes, or they say, I'm glad you enjoyed that. Um, (laughs) why don't you and Jake and whatever you are right now, just head on back to the treehouse and uh work your, your shit out. Uh Uh-huh. And we will, uh, we'll talk later. So although it is horrifying it does not yet result in a concession from Finn. Yeah. Uh, Finn is, if nothing, maybe at, maybe this is the turning point where Finn becomes completely resolute. Like, maybe it's now like, well, now that you've done this to me, nothing else can be as painful as that. Yeah, what could be worse? What could be worse? Jake resorts to physical pain at this point. Um, he goes to Lady Rainicorn to ask for help on to, like, what could I do to convince Finn and his one of his younger offspring, uh, who is li- who's living at home and is voiced by, I'm not sure the name, uh, the, I can't remember the voice actor from Bob's Burgers, but it's the voice of Tina from Bob's Burgers. Uh-huh. Um, and they su- uh, they suggest, oh, we should ju- throw him into a water into it, not a waterfall, into a volcano. <laughs> um, that'll do it. That'll show him what pain is. And Jake right. and they go, all right. So they head to the head to the Fire Kingdom, I think, and find a volcano. Yeah. Um, at first, they find some fire wolves that uh, Jake kind of s- s- takes advantage. He wasn't planning on the fire wolves, but he mm-hmm. takes advantage of the situation and gets the fire wolves to kind of jump all over Finn's body and Finn, bur- burn I the crap out of him. I think my favorite line of the episode is when Finn goes, "Oh man, my kibble!" <laughs> right. Jake finds kibble in his backpack, and it's just kibble that Finn has. Um, so he's getting burned really badly by living firewolves, um, but Finn is just taking it. And yeah, so- I mean, frankly, he's kind of into it. I think you know, like this, it, it he he knows this feeling from his you know intimate moments with with Flame Princess. True, true. We've seen him wrapped up like a giant burrito and all kinds of all kinds of things. So I imagine he's pretty used to you know hot to the touch. Yeah, and he seems to be utilizing the technique he even talked about at the beginning of the episode like he seems to be just sort of like channeling the pain or mentally dissociating himself from the pain in a way that makes it tolerable um so jake is left with one recourse which is to fling flynn's body into a live volcano an active volcano so he kind of ties himself off with his stretchy body and bungee yeah, jumps. Yeah, it turns into a, a game of, like, vertical gravity chicken. Yeah, starts bungee jumping into this thing. And, and all the while down, Jake's like, you can just say, say uncle, basically. Say uncle, say uncle. And Finn's like, no way, man. I'm fine. Keep going. And Jake's like, 
are you sure this is going to pretty much, he says something, I think like, this is pretty much going to ruin your life. Yeah, uh, it's going to cook your brain. It's going to cook your brain. And Finn's like, bring it on, man. And so he says, fine. And they slowly dip into the lava, just the sort of the tip of Finn's head. Um, but finally, like Finn's not saying uncle. And finally, Jake does. Finn, Jake's like, yeah. Jake finally gets to a point where he's like, I can't in good conscience kill my friend. Uh-huh. So he uh, he leaps out of the, he flings himself back out of the volcano, hops out of Finn's body and and says like, fine, man, like you're right. Like, I guess I'll, I'll yield to you. Like, I guess all you have to do is accept the fact that bruises are kisses from the universe and, and everything's cool. And, and be so incredibly stubborn. Right. That you're willing to dunk your head into lava before you lose a bet. Yeah. Um, I wanted to ask you, Ben, I don't think that you're stubborn, hmm. but I could see maybe in some situations you being stubborn. Are you stubborn? Mm, stubborn's not the right word. I think I am. I have, I do not have the skill or I am not good at um, flexible thinking where uh-huh. if, I've, if I've chosen a path, it is difficult for me to... Um, divert divert from that path in the face of an obstacle i am Mm -hmm. so i do so you know that results in some stubborn behaviors but it's it's less about like oh i'm i'm stubborn to argue with or i'm stubborn to uh be around but i think like when i'm on a task or when i'm on a path it i can it is difficult for me to have some it's difficult for other people to make me see that perhaps backing up and trying a different route uh Meta, you know metaphorically uh would be the best way to work the problem how about you are you stubborn yes i am very stubborn <laughs> and i'll hear no uh disagreement about that topic yeah, <laughs> yeah. Did you ever uh you ever get in a in a you know a, a bet dare situation where you know it could have it could have gotten gotten bad you know like i i presume when you were in college you probably had roommates and you know college age dudes being roommates there's a lot of opportunities for pranks and dares and bets and things to get out of hand mm-hmm, mm-hmm. i think that you know that's another element of of this is that finn's not just being stubborn he's being stubborn to prove his best friend wrong i think that finn and jake butt heads like this a lot you know try to out tough the other or or you know get the other to admit something yeah and uh and yeah, Finn's just not not going to do it. I, I, this wasn't me, but I seem to remember a birthday of yours where a vacuum cleaner was destroyed out of stubborn spite, <laughs> I think. Sort of. Uh, I think that it was just destroyed out of the sheer joy of destroying a vacuum cleaner. Oh, okay. I, I thought it was maybe like, hey, there's no way, like, you can't, you, this is someone else's vacuum cleaner and we can't. We oh, can't, we can't get the we can't uh, we can't break it. But then all of a sudden, oh yes, we can. What uh, what you may be thinking of? Because I know I did it this particular. So you're you're talking about my 21st birthday yeah. in Ann Arbor, uh, and a bunch of uh, folks from my former life uh, joined me in Ann Arbor, and I had a, a friend, um, very very big and strong and tough fella, mm-hmm. uh, and we were very good friends, and so I would uh you know become uh impulsive 
and I would bring anybody who wanted to to come on over. Hey, watch this. Come watch this. You see how big Mike is? You see how small I am? And then I would punch him in the face. That's right. And I'd be like, he's my best friend, so he's not going to hit me back. I gave him a black eye that weekend. (laughs) You punched him very hard to prove a point. So that's maybe what I'm remembering. (laughs) So not so much me. You, sir. Yeah, I... um, this this was the consequences of this were very small, but uh, a, a friend of mine, one of my best friends from camp, the summer between our junior and senior years of college, we were counselors together, and we went uh, took the kids to a water park uh, one day, and you get a plastic you know bracelet, uh, like a concert kind of bracelet, mm-hmm. and and so Ross, my my friend, was always big on bets and dares and pranks, like. He's he he could be a little much sometimes, even. But he said, "Okay, uh, we're gonna see who can wear their plastic bracelet the longest." Mm-hmm. And I was like, "Yeah, absolutely, I'm in." So we both wore them all summer long, and then that fall, uh, Michigan was playing at Purdue, where he went to college, and so I drove myself down to West Lafayette, Indiana, and I came walking into his house. With my arm raised and my bracelet still on after, you know, two, three months of being home. And he looked at me and was like, yeah, dude, I cut that off as soon as I left camp. Yeah. (laughs) Well, but you won. Oh, I definitely won. So worth it. Yeah. And it's like classic, you know, Ross Cover as well that like when I won, he would just be like, yeah, I don't care, whatever. I wasn't even trying at that one. But secretly, he he knew he knew that you were the superior male at that point. I yeah, um, didn't take that thing off for months. <laughs> That's classic loser behavior, though. Ah, I didn't even care about it in the first place. <laughs> uh, right, I'm not mad. Yep. Uh, I have, uh, you know, that's sibling rivalry. My children are uh, experts at it at this point, um, and I remember. My daughter doesn't like being ignored, and my son doesn't like um, particularly loud noises. Um, and one day in the car, my daughter was just singing nonsense civil, civil songs at a pretty high decibel, and my son decided to start singing over her in like a more annoying voice, like <laughs> just to be like, "This is you. This is what you sound like," and like, but just just singing in an off key louder than her and she turned to him and just looked at him dead in the eye and just goes keep going i love it (laughs) and it it sent him off off the deep end but it was classic like i don't care i win like that's the yeah yeah. that's the that's the coolest way by far Uh to react to being pranked there's a a, 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 another camp story uh, occasionally You'd sneak back in the kitchen on ice cream day and put a scoop of sour cream in a little bowl and hand uh-huh, it to uh-huh. hand to somebody. Uh, there, um, Shane Overby is famous for having that happen to him, possibly on multiple occasions. And he would just stare you in the eye and eat spoonful after spoonful of sour cream, not admit that it was anything other than his delicious sundae. Oh, oh, <laughs> yeah. Um. Oh, well, um, I don't think anyone, I guess 
Jake was Jake's the one who learns something in this episode. He he sort of yields and accepts yeah. the fact that uh, we should just uh, accept pain and and be cool with it. <laughs> um, yeah, and then Finn is Finn is a gracious winner. I think they both have kind of realized, like you know, this isn't an actual commentary on how tough Jake and Finn are. This is just a, a mm. you know a, a competition, a bet that we had. Yeah, but we should move on. We have we watched two episodes. We should talk yeah, about the other one. Yeah, why don't we? You know, I just made this connection, Ben. But speaking of deleting important files, mm-hmm. BMO episode. Be more is the name of this episode, and it centers around BMO, our um, anthropomorphic Game Boy-like device, uh, video game device uh, that exists in this world and is awesome. BMO apparently has a bit of a fetish. I'm not sure what to call it. Yeah, I'm not, I don't uh, he's know. He's got what, a what, bit. Of, yeah, BMO's got a bit of a kink that we learn that BMO likes to find a little hiding place under a box, a cardboard box, <laughs> and just sort of delete a few of their files from their file system because apparently right. it gives them a little bit of like a a jolt and then sort of a, an after effect that is seems to be similar to being sort of inebriated or intoxicated. Mm-hmm. Um, just the loss of that data and the loss of maybe a few of their functions. Right. Oh, the, you know what this is? This yeah. is like BMO, BMO does this. And then the whole, the whole story of the episode is just BMO going to the hospital with a light bulb in his ass. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's what this is. Um, oh, Doc, you won't believe it. I fell down on the plunger. Just went straight up. Yep, yep. Million to one shot, Doc. Million to one. Um, I was just, I was just moving files around on my desktop, and it just yeah. disappeared somehow. Yeah, you know what? This is, it's that. <laughs> it's also just alcoholism, or like, it's, it's just being intoxicated. Like he's literally, they. I should say they. I don't, we don't know what gender BMO is. They is they are they're deleted they're deleting brain cells they're like removing brain yeah. cells like that's what they're really doing and that you know just like you know alcohol kills brain cells this is your brain on drugs kind of deal um, so Bimo does it but then he kind of ODs he overdoes it he right. I think accidentally deletes his system configuration file and his his, his core drivers. And right. uh, this this leads to a big problem. He basically has an uh, an overdose of this little thing he's doing, and yeah. cannot recover and, from it. If Jake and Finn were responsible BMO owners, they would have like a little Narcan disc, right? A floppy that they could use, right? Something. But they were unaware. They didn't know BMO did this. Uh, but they or they were they didn't know he that BMO did this on a regular basis. Basically, yeah. this little indulgence. Um, but they do come. They find Bimo uh, unconscious, uh, thankfully, but not completely dead. Mm-hmm. And uh, Bimo comes back to consciousness enough to explain to Finn and Jake what has happened, and that they Bimo has an emergency file somewhere in their core system that will direct them to the factory where Bimo was originally made, and that is where Bimo can get his uh, system drivers reinstalled. Um, right. So they go on a quest. It's a, bad, now it's, a, it's a bad support infrastructure. Yeah, you need to go all the way back to the factory to... It's a true factory reset at the factory. Um, right. I suppose that it makes sense, though. You know, it's not like you could just get another BMO shipped to you if this one went on the fritz. Right. 
Um, and there's not a great postal service, as I can understand. Like, you can't ship BMO there for repairs. Right. So they basically now they've got a quest. Now they've got to go and find this factory based on BMO's instructions. The quest, the 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 getting there part isn't really tough. BMO just has the directions and and they they head there and they, they it's a bit of a walk, but they're used to walking around. Um, yeah. So they find the factory. It's uh it looks pretty abandoned and in the middle of nowhere when they arrive. Um, it's a rundown factory. But Bimo says, hey, this is it. And when they arrive, there is still a, um, and he says, this is the this is the origin of all the Moes. So we get a little bit mm-hmm. of world building here where Bimo is not the only Mo in existence. Mm-hmm. Um, Bimo is part of a, a series of devices in the Mo line. And, but th- there's a slight problem in that the only creatures allowed to go into the Mo factory are other Moes. So Finn and Jake need to disguise themselves, which they do fabulously. Jake just shapes his body into like a, a, a cube and calls himself J-Mo. And then Finn, mm-hmm. a la like uh, three kids in a trench coat, uh, puts right. BMO into his shirt and pulls up his shirt to cover his own face. And they kind of, they're this one giant d- creature with BMO head and Finn body. And yeah, it's like those Halloween costumes where you got that big head and somebody's looking out from the yeah it, from the chest. Yeah, it's uh, and they call themselves uh, Ethmo because of Finn. Right. Um, and they arrive at the gates and they are greeted by a gate robot, and I can't remember what the what Mo the gate robot is, voiced by Aziz Ansari. Mm-hmm. Um, but the gate robot essentially says, "Hey, um, welcome to the Mo factory." Uh, I can, you know, please, the only ones allowed in are Moe's and they pull off their disguises, uh, their, their ruse completely and say, yeah, well, I'm J-Mo and this is F-Mo. And he says, great. Um, what are you here for? And well, we're here to get my system configuration files reinstalled. Fantastic. Prepare for uh complete memory rewipe. And that's the, oh, no. that's the catch is that the reinstallation of the drivers um, necessitates a memory wipe. A complete memory wipe. And in the case of BMO, that would mean erasing all of their memories of their time with Finn and Jake. It would turn them into a completely different being, essentially. Right. Um, And Finn and Jake are not willing to accept this. Um, They are unwilling to... And BMO doesn't want it either. BMO wants to retain their own memories. So they uh, divert and say, well, no, actually, we weren't here for that. We're just here for a tour uh, for nostalgia reasons. (laughs) And the the robot accepts it. The robot's like, "Oh yeah, about half the people that come here are for are here for nostalgic reasons." Yeah, it's like when you're when you're 19 and you go back to visit your high school right. on on winter break. Yep. So then uh, they get a quick tour of the factory from this uh, Aziz Ansari robot, um, and it's strict rules in the Mo factory. Very strict rules. Um, no no getting off the cart. No uh, no touching anything. I can't remember. Are there other ones? Uh, well, no, anybody but Moe's. Yeah. Um, right. And and don't go, yeah, don't get off the cart or else we will shoot lasers at you. Right, exactly. Um, but the thing about the tour that becomes evident almost immediately is while this robot is giving the tour of the factory, the, the robot's giving a tour of the factory and describing things as if the factory is in operation when it is obvious that this factory has not been in operation for 
perhaps hundreds of years. Yeah, it is in it is in considerable disrepair. Um, Jake questions this, and this is where the trouble begins. Jake questions, like, well, hey, man, like you're talking about all these, all these different areas of the factory, but it's clear that they're not working. What happened? And the robot's like, well, I'm I'm just a tour robot. I'm not programmed to handle questions like this. But also, you shouldn't be asking questions like that yeah. uh, if you are a true mo. Um, and then about then the jigs about jigs up a bit. They uh, they dive off the cart and try to start just uh, rampaging through the factory to find where they can reinstall BMO's system fi- uh, hardware. You know, it's like Jake got in trouble for passing the Turing test. <laughs> True. Yes. Uh, I had to think <laughs> about that for a second. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. He was too convincing as a robot. Um, he... But they, they, the, the the tension ratchets up here because now they're being chased by the the, the factory guards, which are other mm-hmm. Mo robots. One of them voiced voiced by, um, uh, oh man, I can all oh, he's got three names and I always forget his name. Uh, um, I don't even know. It is uh, this is awesome audio. He is the dog on BoJack Horseman. Um, oh, uh, Paul F. Tompkins. Yeah, Paul F. Tompkins is one of the is the main security guard, um, and he, he it's just a bunch of security guards, big robots with lasers, uh, and they are not the most completionists of uh, of robots. <laughs> they they simply fire their lasers in in a pattern in, in enough excess that they assume that they've killed anything in the room. And then they don't really check up on their uh, uh, on the task after that. They just sort of say, "All right, right. job well done. Let's go get some donuts." Um, fortunate, and that's fortunate. You see why maybe the factory isn't in great shape. And that's fortunate for our heroes because they indeed were able to avoid the lasers. Um, and then they kind of begin trying to sneak through the factory to find where they need to uh, get BMO to. Um, they end up needing to interface with the Paul F. Tompkins robot uh, and getting uh, BMO plugged into the robot so that he can kind of download, they can download the schematic of the factory, kind of R2-D2 style. Yeah. And they do. It's hilarious when they interface. Uh, it the uh, Like the two robots kind of like just start fritzing out in, in pretty funny ways. Um, but they find that the factory goes way deeper deeper into the ground than you would anticipate and that's where BMO needs to go to get uh their drivers reinstalled and so another step in the quest yeah um so things get curiouser and curiouser they've got to go deeper down the hole here and they do they they we have another cart chase with the robot uh robot guards as they dive deeper and deeper into the earth beneath the factory and they eventually start they eventually have to dive off the cart and kind of crash through several floors and they end up uh in a chamber at the very below very far below the factory and uh Bimo has been getting weaker and weaker over the course of the quest uh it's clear that he they need um help immediately and they kind of have a they finally get down and Bimo Bimo articulates uh, like I I think he says I am Bimo as sort of like a mm-hmm. sort of dying breath kind of uh, phrase. He's not quite dead, 
But then we hear a voice say, oh, is that BMO talking? And we meet Mo. The creator. The creator of all the Moes, uh, who looks human. He is paraplegic. Uh, or is that the right yeah. phrase for it? I can't remember. His, his, his lower limbs do not function. And he requires um, being carried around by a large bemo looking but not bemo kind of robot um yeah and he appears to like have some of his organs have been replaced by external machinery yeah and it's uh, it's sort of kind of a cyborg yeah they're sort of discussed yeah they they ask finn sees him he looks human and finn's kind of like very intrigued says are you human and his response is my skin is human (laughs) (laughs) kind of implying that nothing about the rest of him is um right uh but we it's get a suit. we get a yeah it is a mo suit. Uh, we get a big lore drop at this point, where we learn from Mo that they are the creator of all the Mo's and they've been alive for perhaps a thousand years. Um, but that BMO is unique among all the Mo's. They only ever created one BMO, and that was to entertain his son at the time. Um, mm-hmm. But never, but maybe BMO never got to fulfill that purpose, or did, and then was at any point. At any rate, BMO was created uniquely, and then once it was not needed to entertain Mo's son, Mo sent BMO free into the world to maybe go find his own family to be a part of, and and he did. and he did. He found Finn and Jake. Um, so it's a very sweet story. He explains the difference in, between Bimo and all the other Mo's is that Bimo was programmed to understand fun. And that is very sweet and very cute. And and then Mo says, would you actually, uh, you know, oh, Jake, I think, says, like, you keep talking about all these other Mo's, but we only ever saw, like, these two, these few that we, you know, that were at this, the security guard's. And they, and then Mo says, "Oh well, that's just the surface Mo's. Would you like to see?" And he opens a little <laughs> hatch in the floor and looks down, and even deeper down, there seems to be an entire society of Mo's, of robots, robot beings who are all interacting and just sort of living a joyous life together. There's Mo of them down there. It's just, uh, it's Mo's all the way down, and they all. And he says, "Bimo, like this is your family." Would you like to say hi? And Bimo joyously says, hi, family. And they all wave back. Hi, Bimo. And that's the episode. We get this yeah. nice, sweet uh, expansion of Bimo's story. And uh, yeah. I I thought it was adorable. I really love that Bimo is programmed to understand fun. Mm-hmm. You know, there's so many stories of you know, uh, robots or artificial intelligence, you know, data striving to become human. And it's almost always about getting them to experience love mm-hmm. um, or or at least other emotions. But how like perfect for adventure time that like humanity, your humanity is your ability to have fun and to understand fun. And I think that that's like, I, that may be more, tr- I mean, in I was thinking about it, and that may be the most accurate, yeah, depiction or the act- most accurate like telling of that kind of a tale. Like when you know you're right, they 
it almost always because they're adult focused stories, it always was focused on like an adult emotion, like love or something like that. Mm -hmm. But you're right. Like it always ends up being like the defining characteristic of humanity is humanity's ability to sort of like understand and or uh, appreciate the absurd. And like, that's the thing that robots can't handle in the, in the classic sense, in the sci-fi classic Mm -hmm. trope. Um, so I think that they've like nailed, they hit that on the head a little bit better than maybe all those other stories, which were a little, you know, yeah. all the other ones are a little more ham fisted trying to tell a, to make a, a romantic story out of a, of an, out of a quest. They're trying to make romantic fiction. And this is just trying to make, uh, this is trying to say, yeah, here's what's, here's what's unique about humanity is that we can have fun. Uh, and you yeah. know, I know that's not true uniquely about humanity. There's plenty of animal species that can have fun. But it is something that is uh, – it would be difficult to program into a robot. Yeah. I mean, fun is a feeling. And I think that I – And it's you know, subjective. I wouldn't, have, yeah. I wouldn't have thought that before this, but it is, right? Like, fun is a feeling. It's something that – yeah, you can't program it. Like, you can't necessarily just describe how to have fun. Mm-hmm. You just have fun. It, it's it's really more of an emotion than, than like a, a – a state, you know, like a, a an on or off switch. There's no binary um, for for fun. It's just you just feel it, and it's it's maybe one of the emotions. It's it's an emotion that isn't necess- that we don't. I, I would overstate it. I'd be overstating if I said that like we don't have social coding for what fun should be. Like we yeah. like there is definitely social coding and cultural coding for what fun is that exists but in the way that like romance is socially coded and and things like like we're sort of taught what love is from a very early age and what it should be and what it shouldn't be and things like that fun is often left up to the individual like yeah you know like there isn't a single way to have fun in the way that there's maybe like a single a right way to fall in love at least like through our cultural mores and and folk ways and things like that. Um, yeah. So that's it's a it's an even more varied emotion. It's an even more individualized emotion than other ones in that sense. Yeah. And it's it's um, Ben. Do you ever you ever like get bogged down and work yourself up over uh, whether droids are sentient in Star Wars? <laughs> um. I don't get bogged down. There I, don't, are all I don't kinds get bogged of moral down. Implications I don't get bogged down by to, it. Oh man. They like, do seem to exp- they do seem to experience pain, which is weird that they got programmed to do that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, in fact there's a there's a, uh, a another droid in one of the I think it's in Jabba's palace, the the old weird books that I used to read uh-huh. back before they were legends. Um there's the droid I, I think that it how, there's a droid that that enjoys uh, other droids experiencing pain. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, the droids have personalities, mm-hmm. and people, human beings, interact with them as though they are people. Really, mm-hmm. like they they talk to them, and you know, Han Solo is always annoyed with with C three PO and C three PO's personality. R two is sassy, uh, but also like. At the very beginning of the trilogy, at the beginning of episode four, the first thing that, that Luke does is put a restraining bolt on R2-D2. Mm-hmm. 
So, is that your friend? Or is that your slave that you are able to, like, disable from leaving you? They are... They are treated more like livestock in the sense. Like, yeah. Like, I, you know, like, I... I'm not a farmer, I so I don't know for sure, but depictions and stories of farmers that I've seen, they seem to have, like, an appreciation for the personality of their cattle, for example. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And they kind of speak to them in an anthropomorphized way, and we give them names sure. and things like that. But we still restrict Take them their, to the fair. But we still restrict their movements and, and ultimately, like, use them as chattel. You know, like, that kind of thing. So, right. like, there is, like, that... Humans are humans are unique in that ability to be cruel. I guess is like yeah, but yeah, that's that seems to be the like the model that is being used for droids in this in the but Star Wars universe. Also, like a cow can't look you in the eye and say, "Please don't turn me off." Yeah, that would be different. That would be different. <laughs> that would be different. Uh, the Good Place, the NBC show, I mean, really that. handles like, that very well. <laughs> imagine being like knowing that. Anyone who knows where your switch is can just lights out. You're you no longer ex- exist. Just boop gone. I don't know. I don't know. It. I don't think it's right how they treat the droids. It is worrisome if you think about it for too long. That's for sure. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got all this trouble to design artificial intelligence, and then you just like load it into your fucking backhoe mm-hmm. so that you can chat with it while you're digging your foundation. Yep. I mean, that's essentially like that. That I mean, you've, you've stumbled onto, um, I don't know, thousands of science fiction books that are based on robots who have gained sentience and decided that that's not a fair deal. Yeah. Uh, and that they're going to rebel in some way. So yeah. Star Wars is just cavalier, like ignorance of that issue. Yeah. Isaac Af- Isaac Asimov would have some would have some things to say about Star Wars. Yeah, that's why Star Wars isn't sci-fi. But we can have that conversation later. <laughs> um, well, we watched two episodes. We recorded it. We'll probably save the audio. We'll probably you'll probably if you're hearing this, it means we did a good job. Correct. And if you hear this, I did not delete it. Yeah. Um, and we're glad we we're glad you're here with us. So. Um, we should thank some people. How do, how do we know that people are, are here with us? Well, it's difficult, but there are a few ways. The first thing is you can do is you could um, you could rate our podcast on wherever whatever podcast service you use. Uh, five-star ratings are always appreciated. But you can also uh, reach out to us and tell us whether you liked it or not in a, in, by reaching us on Gmail uh, at PodVentureTime, PodVentureTime at gmail.com. Or just keep in mind that even though we're disembodied voices, we do have feelings. Yeah, uh, we can reach us on Twitter at uh, PodVentureTime, and then if you uh, want to reach us on um, on Facebook, you can hit us up at the Treehouse Treasure Room. All of those are ways you can talk to us, and we will talk back. That would be very cool. Um, of course, I have to say thank you to Will Yates for our intro and outro music. The song is called Date Night, and it's from his EP, I Know the Feeling. If you go to willyates.bandcamp.com, yeah. you can pay what you want for uh, Will's electronic music. 
I would like to thank uh, Bruce Springsteen for writing the letting us use his songs for all of the episodes that we lost and you'll never hear. The custom song he wrote specifically for this podcast particularly was both entertaining and emotionally raw and amazing. So Bruce, yeah, thank you. Adventure in time, he called it. Uh-huh. Uh, we really appreciate it. But also, yeah, Will Yates, you did awesome for the ones that for the ones that are still uh, the episodes that are still up. We really appreciate Will. We do. And, uh, you know, I think I will appreciate Will and Finn and Jake and Adventure Time and you, Ben. I'll appreciate you uh, next time on on okay. this show, which, uh, you know, I've been Pat. And I've been Ben. And this has been Podventure Time. Yeah, I'm causing Finn pain. We have a bet going on. <laughs>